So how do you take yours? Straight Americano, flat white, cappuccino, maybe a bit of syrup. You nearly need to be a barista to order in the modern coffee shop. There's so much choice and in many ways it's now the same for craft beers. How do you even start to pick the right one? And how does the little guy stand up to all those big brands? I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Combine all your lines of communication and simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Don't forget you can subscribe to this Red Business podcast on iTunes. And of course, it's always up on the Red FM website, which is redfm.ie. This week, we're going to combine what are the personal favourites of a lot of people who have been listening to this right now, coffee and booze. But we're going to begin with coffee because I suppose it's best get that out of the way before you start drinking. And we have with us on our panel to talk about the coffee trade, particularly here in Cork, Owen Kennedy. Uh, he's, of course, with Zone Digital, but he's the founder of At Coffee Cork. Owen, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, we've Aidan Duke, who's the owner of Duke Coffee. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? And we have Stephen Ryan, who is the head of marketing here at Red FM as well. Stephen, how are you? Not too bad, Jonathan. Good that you travelled so far to yeah, join very, us here today. Very long distance. Your desk is at least 30 foot that way. So thank you very much for joining us. Lads, I wanted to talk about the coffee trade because it has changed so much in the last few years. Because traditionally, we would have been a nation of tea drinkers. Though. We didn't like coffee. It was, it was fancy American muck. Oh, it was. And instant in a lot of cases too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it has changed certainly an awful lot um, for, for, you know, for good and bad over the last number of years. Um, and increasingly so, but with a, more of a focus now towards, I suppose, supporting kind of local, locally produced coffees and locally served coffees as well. And is it a taste thing, do you think? Do we have our tastes evolved that we now like coffee a lot more than we did? I think it has, yeah, I think it has. And I think people have travelled an awful lot more as well uh, and have experienced really good quality stuff, be it in London or in the States or, or further afield. So they've brought that back home. Yeah. And Aidan, you are in this trade. How long at this point? We're uh, doing this now 12 years, yeah. So we started out uh, in the franchise kind of route, but then of late we kind of um, rebranded our own business and we established our own business. Um, so I've seen huge change in the business um, to the point where, you know, coffee houses were all about the chain and there had to be lots of them and coffee was served in big quantities. Um, in buckets, effectively. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, and that was the way of it back then. But thankfully, um, things have gotten a bit more sensible and we're kind of celebrating the coffee for what it is, you know, um, and, um, you know, we have great local roasteries, we have great, fantastic coffee houses around the city. Um, so the, the the landscape has changed completely. You have two shops, isn't it? We have two stores, yeah, yeah. We have one in Citygate in Mahan and one there in, in Carey's Lane in town. And you say there are roasteries in Cork? Yeah, there's plenty of people roasting coffee in Cork. We buy an awful lot of coffee. So what, hang on a second now, forgive me, and I always do this when I'm talking to a panel, just <laughs> assume that I'm an Egypt because you're probably right. What does a roastery do? So essentially the, what he does is he sources the green bean um, and he roasts it to a profile um, with fantastic... It's 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 quite a, an exacting art. It's... it's uh, you know, not everyone can do it. It takes a long time. Um, but we have got fun. we've got Badger and Dodo down from my Brock's great at it. Um, we have West Cork Coffee. Tony's fantastic. Um, we have 
um, the Golden Bean down in Ballymaloo. We have um, the Roasting House in Kinsale. So, and, and, and these they, are these are actual buildings where they get these little beans and they roast them. They roast them, yeah, to order generally. So we have the freshest uh, coffee um, on demand. And is I mean, even before I came in, I was on the phone to a couple of these roasters, going, "Look, I need twenty kg for next week and forty kg for the week after." And I mean, it has changed so much that I can get all this stuff locally. Now, notwithstanding, there's 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 what they call the bigger roasteries in in Ireland. You know, the Bewleys and the Javas and the Roberts Roberts who do a fantastic job. And if you know, if they were in London, they'd be considered small. Yeah, but I'm I'm guessing that this industry, all that what you're talking about, that didn't exist. A decade ago, or, 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 or it existed on a ago. very, very micro scale, Jonathan. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't even kind of surface, but now it's almost um, it's standard almost. And, and Stephen Ryan, mm. you're the marketing guru here, right? So, you, but you, you you love watching how these brands grow and how yeah. the market yeah. changes. It has changed immeasurably, hasn't it? It's changed dramatically, and I, I think it's a cultural change. I think um, American culture is a big big role to play in this because if you think back um, in the 70s and 80s and probably in the early 90s even on TV everything was about uh, going to the pub so Carnation Street EastEnders Only Fools and Horses and everything like that all of a sudden that changed when American sitcoms became very popular and if you think like Friends was based around a coffee shop and a lot more similar type oh, we, shows and everybody all of us wanted to be in a coffee and we shop all want to be the Central same Park, yeah. all the films changed from having a Budweiser in their hand to having a coffee cup from the likes of Starbucks or somewhere like that so film stars were being associated with it and then of course at the late 90s early 2000s a lot more college students from Ireland started going to the states on J1s so when they came back they wanted a similar culture to what yeah. they got in San Francisco or New York places like that and of course London also had a similar similar culture as well so I think it, it became about a fashionable thing um, and then they realised that you know coffee wasn't just a normal drink that there was different taste to it it wasn't the instant coffee like Nescafe or something like that either so cappuccinos lattes things like that that they could make their own decisions and on the on the thing of taste I know you're a big man on this Aidan um, that the taste has changed that we are we you know we no longer want the simple cup of coffee the Americano I mean we didn't even know and it was called an Americano it was just a black coffee yeah. until somebody told us about it but the sweetness that freaks you out isn't it there's a lot more people demanding syrup in their coffee uh, there, there was five years ago but now it has changed now people are actually celebrating the actual the, the, the raw material that is coffee and I mean you, you know it's all my friends mock me about it they're like Aidan what are you talking about you know <laughs> coffee is coffee um, they're right aren't they well not really because you know what I mean like it's akin to it's like wine you know I mean mm. what's the best wine my wife lo- loves a light Beaujolais I like something robust and French you know what I mean but coffee is the exact same and the difference now is people are educated um, so hang on a second. Oh, yeah. Let's just go run with the wine analogy, right? Yeah. So I mean, years ago, and if I'm trying to be posh in a restaurant, which is it's a really big task, mm-hmm. I have to get my glass of wine. I have to put it in and you know suck it through my teeth, swirl it around, and then pretend like I'm some kind of sommelier with loads of training in France. I go, that'll do fine, thank you very much. It's the same but, thing. With well, coffee. the net result is you either a like it or b don't like it. And it's the same with coffee. You yeah, know? But in Ireland, we'd say we'd like it anyway, don't we? Not yeah. Some would perhaps, yeah, some would perhaps. Yeah. So, what's the difference? What do you need to look out for in coffee? Well, I suppose the range now is so. Is so first of all, how it's made. Um, it can be filtered. It can be extracted via um, an espresso machine. But it's it's you know if you take a green bean and you roast it quite light, it's going to have a you know it's it's like a steak. If you keep a steak in a pan for three days, you're going to have a well done steak. It's going to taste really tough, and it's it's a meaty taste of it. If if you if you have it nice and rare. 
it, there's a different flavor of it. You know what I mean? It, the, the flavors are almost released. So it's it's the exact same with coffee. Um, there's 105 million ways to drink it and brew it. And uh, there's all sorts of different flavors out of it. And, you know, the, the bigger the range, I mean, people's appetite for coffee and a varying kind of coffee is, is huge. And, and that's what's changed. That's the yeah. real marketing difference zone, isn't it? That the appetite is there a lot more now it, for it, this dif- these different types of coffee. It, it is, Jonathan. And I mean, we've... Um, I suppose co- I, I come to this really as someone who loves coffee on the consumption side and spend kind of half of my disposable income in coffee shops and, and restaurants around Cork. You know, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully um, most of it but, Yeah, well, a lot of it, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, I think what we have tried to, to come to is there was an element of snobbery associated with sure. coffee and an element there's a kind of a I, I'm still struggling to find a, a, a less crude word of, of describing it than the one I usually use but there was that element of you know you had to have elbow patches and a beard and a fixie bicycle and that put a lot of people off so a couple of years ago that was actually one of the reasons we decided to set up the whole Cork Coffee Weekend thing to kind of say to people look yeah like that is a bit and that used to annoy the hell out of me to be honest with you um, and because I didn't know enough about it you know, so it's to say to people, go in and talk to the guy behind the counter. Actually ask them, you know, what do you think? What do you what do you think yourself? But th- th- so there's an art in it in being a barista. And and totally, I, I remember going, totally. there's the National Barista Championships yeah. that happen every year that people have to get involved with and, and, and produce yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing coffee. But, but what has struck me about all this is the baristas are so passionate and knowledgeable. So if you go into Mo's in, in, in uh, Aiden's place or any of the others in, in, inside in, in Filter or any of the other places and ask them, just say, look, this is what I kind of like. What have you got? What do you think would be best for me? They will tell you at length. They will really go into it and they know their stuff. And that's a lot different, you know, to just standing at the end of a queue and having a bucket of stuff slopped out at you, you know. And in Cork, and we do it different, you know. Yeah. So if, yeah. You know, in Cork, we do it different. We, you know, the success of the Cork Coffee Weekend was, you know, people felt disenfranchised from the process and they, they didn't feel they could mm. connect with it. In Cork, we're, you know, we're a bit different and we, we, we got the barista to, you know, to, to break down the barriers, ask any questions you want. Yeah. And once that started happening, then the yeah. success of the... Of the, of the and and the baristas love it because you know? it's, you know, on a human level, it's a great opportunity for them to show off their knowledge. And there are some amazing, like some incredible baristas around the place, you know. And, and they're, they're, OK, they, they're skilled at the, what they do, but effectively, we're coffee nerds, people who know everything about coffee. You can ask them any question; they know the whole lot, and and they're trading on that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, look, we, we want, I want to move to the booze side of it because uh, we've had the sobriety with the coffee. Well, let's talk about the drink side of it because we've got no, very similar to how coffee shops are operating. We've got loads of microbreweries that are after opening up, but there's the big daddy of them all, uh, which was the Franciscan Well, which was established a good number of years ago and has really enjoyed this tremendous success. And it's down uh, to its founder, uh, Shane Long, and I recently went down to the Franciscan Well, which is still down there in the North Mall and still doing great trade, and I asked him a little bit about his journey. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Never miss an opportunity when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Shane, let's go back to the very, very beginning. Why did you want to do this? At what point did you say, I want to brew beer? I didn't, is the honest question. Um, what I always wanted was to have a bar. Um, I was working in London. Um, a venture capitalist approached me and asked me if I'd come back and, and uh, take over this business. I said I wouldn't unless I was an owner of a business, um, come back to Ireland. And he immediately agreed to uh, ownership of the of the business. So I, I didn't set out to be a brewer. So you kind of fell into it then, did you? 
absolutely fell into a jail completely by accident, uh, along with a lot of stuff that's happened to us since uh, 1998 when we came back. Would you describe them then as happy accidents? Because it's, it's worked out kind of well for you. Uh, it has overnight success after 19 years, but uh, it was a, certainly it was a very much a hard slog. The first six years were were incredibly difficult, and each year we didn't know if we'd make it to the next year. Tell us why it was so hard, because that's important for people who start out in business. They always hit that wall, and it's how you get over that wall that's important. Yeah, when people look at the craft beer industry, no, it's very very different to when we started here. In fact, craft the term only came into Ireland in the last number of years. It, it came from America. Um, when we started, people viewed that we were just guys who were uh, brewing with pots and pans in the backyard. And was that hard to overcome? Because it was a precise science at the end of the day. You weren't just slapping stuff into a bucket and hoping beer came out the other side that people would drink. It was incredibly difficult. Uh, there wasn't the pool of brewers that are in Ireland uh, that we have now. Um, we had a, an amazing guy called Russell Garrett, who's still in the brewing industry in Cork. Um, he, w- he was the, the first brewer here. Tell me about the first time you tasted your first brew. What was the first product again? First product was Rebel Red, um, which is still a huge uh, volume seller for us, uh, both here in Ireland and the UK. Um, that was the, the, the first one that we produced here. It would be an authentic, traditional Irish beer. Now, the first time that came out, that you lifted a glass of that to your mouth, was it as good as it is now, or did you tweak it? Oh, we, we, we have. It, it is different than it was going back 19 years ago. Um, the only reason it is different is we've followed our customers' palate. Um, nowadays, the, the younger people, they have a much uh, sweeter um, palate than, than what it was for serving the people 19 years ago. So it has been tweaked over the last 19 years. So you, you have, you've had to kind of change your beers to make them sweeter because the younger people like sweet things? Absolutely, 100%, yeah, yeah. So uh, you had Rebel Red, and then you, you came up with another product and another product, and it was all based out of this building. It, was, it started out just here, didn't it? Absolutely. Everything, everything was produced here up until um, 2014. Um, we had a period there where we had to brew in the UK um, because our, our brewery wasn't ready. Our new brewery down the docks wasn't ready. Um, we put that in October 2015. So everything that's been produced here in Ireland, uh, everything that's been consumed here in Ireland is produced here in Cork. Shane, we've made it as far now as the brewery. Um, what the hell goes on in this room? I've no idea where to start. So uh, this, it's a very basic brewery, uh, very manual. Um, Peter Lyle next to us here is the head brewer. has been here for the last nearly 19 years now. Um, he hand fills this, which is our, our, our mill, where the grain is, is ground down. That looks like a very trusty bucket that I've seen there that <laughs> presumably has seen good service. Absolutely. Um, funneled up over here, and this is our, our brewing kettle. Uh, so grain goes in here. This is a, a two-vessel brew house. In the new brewery, we have a, a three-vessel brew house. So there's a lot of transferring between one and the other. It's tra- grain, in very basic terms, the grain is transferred over here. It's separated, there's a, um, a grate at the end of this. Separate the grain from the liquid. Liquid is pumped back in here. You add the hops for flavor. Hops are also a natural preservative for beer. Um, and then it's taken around here into these tanks, which are called fermentation tanks at the back, uh, where yeast is added and the alcohol is created. So how many products come out of that process? I mean, there's one product per time, presumably. One product per time, yeah, one product per brew. Um, currently, they have a, a seasonal special blonde ale, which, we, which uh, is in one of these tanks, um, a German-style Weiss beer, and the Shannon Stout. 
We've got Tomas here who's uh, engaging in quite manual labour. It's, it's, it's labour intensive. Very, very labour intensive. Uh, what he's doing here now is, is, is preparing a filter um, for when the, the beer is transferred from this finished tank into kegs. When you sold the brand and, and, and the brewery to Coors, that was a big decision because it was your baby. This was what Shane Long and his business partners had been working so hard at over the years. It worked out well, but was that a big decision? It was a huge decision. Um, I actually turned down five times the money from uh, uh, another uh, potential buyer. Uh, but at the time, I viewed. You say that, that very casually, by the way. No, no, it was a, that, that wasn't that wasn't a hard decision to say no to that because I believed that the I had a duty of care to the people who work for me here. Uh, I believed that they they wouldn't be working for me if I if I had sold to that company. Um, and I also have kids, so the last thing I wanted to do was bring up my kids to, to show them you, you build something up to sell it and, and just for the sake of making money. This was something totally different. This was something we created with our own two hands. Um, and whoever we were going to hand it over to needed to have the same ethics and, and, and drive and vision that we had. You made the joke it's a 19-year overnight success. Um, when was the first day that you went, yeah, okay, this is it. We're... we're we now have a product, this is a company, this is a real thing, and this is, this is a success. 2010, in March of 2010 to be exact, uh, things had changed for us. Uh, Beamish had closed here. We picked up quite a few accounts because of that. Um, we were at maximum capacity. We had a lot of interest from US distributors and importers. I went over there. I could see the potential that, yes, this is going to be something much bigger than me. And it's grown since and grown since. The pub trade, like you have a pub and you are a brewer. Has the pub trade changed an awful lot? Because we hear so much about people, you know, pre-drinking and not going to the pub and not spending money. Is, is that where the craft brewers sat nicely because they weren't, they had that little niche? Well, there was two things in that. We were extremely lucky insofar as when the recession hit, the craft beer industry became popular and trendy. Um, so we actually didn't suffer at all during the recession. Um, but the pub trade has changed dramatically. If I wasn't doing food here, midweek we'd be very quiet. Um, it's it's, it's now about marketing and branding uh, a lot more focused than it used to be. For me, I'm, I'm not I'm generalising on anybody else, I'm just talking about myself, the way I see the pub trade going. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult now, very difficult, but not impossible. And I think once you have a good offering and good customer service, you're, you're halfway there. Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Teams work better when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today. Thanks to Shane Long down there in the Franciscan Well. And we're with our panel, Owen Kennedy of At Coffee Cork, and we've Aidan Duke of Duke's Coffee, and we have Stephen Ryan here of the Red FM Parish. Stephen, that point that, that Shane was making there is a good one, whereby, you know, you've got pubs now that are offering coffee, they're offering mm. food, you can pretty much get anything you want in a pub these days. So th- that's putting pressure on the lads in the coffee trade, isn't it? Yeah, they've had to diversify. Um, I think the, the big thing where pubs have gone into the coffee because they, they, they felt that the culture had moved that you can no longer kind of drink and drive. Um, a lot of people did meetings, especially in workplaces before they'd meet for lunch, they might have a pint or so, and now they have to have a tea or coffee. So what the coffee shops are becoming now, from what I can see, to, to kind of combat that is they become specialised. So the likes of Aiden's Place, the likes of Filter, um, even on a, on a, I saw a guy, I, I, the lads probably know him better down in Mailer Street, is it Warren, uh, Warren, Allen. Warren Allen? He's doing barista training. 
Uh, lots of little places like this, uh, Cockcroffy Roasters on, on Bridge Street, uh, and they're you know they're really specialising in something that's kind of pa- what well, coffee lovers, coffee people that are passionate about coffee, yeah. but also a kind of a place where you just sit down and read a book. And, and do you yeah. worry about the pub trade? Ed? Not at all, not at all. Um, and the more pubs that serve coffee, the better for the coffee industry. Um, we, we we don't worry about um, competition, people selling coffee. I mean, the coffee house has developed, as, as Stephen was saying, and he's you're dead right. The the coffee shop, it's 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 one. It's it coffee shop is a lot of things. It's coffee. It's music, it's food, it's decor, it's a vibe, it's a place where you can have your lunch, it's a place where you can have your brunch, it's a place where you can bring your kids or maybe not. You know, it's, it's, the, the coffee shop is the ultimate c- uh, community destination with, with no barriers. Um, I mean, I mean the right coffee shop, you know. Well, um, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the right coffee shop because look, I'm going to bring up the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room is the Starbucks, it's the Cafe Nero's that are coming in, it is all of the big chains, the small chains, even the likes of the Irish chains like O'Brien's and Insomnia's that are all trying to eat your lunch. And you're saying the competition doesn't matter. It has to matter because they're, they're, they're bigger than you are, they're deeper pockets than you are, they're going to put pressure on you. Well, it, 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 not really because it's, it's a different market. There are people out there who think that that big American hamburger restaurant with those arches serve fantastic burgers. And and that's fine, um, but there, there's also a market who think that the Irish burger joints, and we've a lot of them around Cork, serve fantastic burgers. So it's a completely different market. They both thrive, but it's a completely different market. So it, you can't really compare it. You can't compare the coffee that uh, that I serve, or or you know all the independent coffee stores in Cork serve, to the coffee that McDonald's serve. It's it's a different thing. Um, is there a place for both of them? Coasters because the appetite and the thirst for coffee yeah. is 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 so big, you know. But at the same time, if people buy coffee off you, they're supporting your family, the small trader. And is, is, will we always maintain that? Do you think? Oh, Owen, do you think we'll will we maintain that small independent coffee absolutely, shop in any, the face of all the big guys? Absolutely, I think we'll I think we'll grow it, Jonathan. I mean, if you go, if you go back to as as Stephen alluded to, like fifteen or sixteen years, there was probably oh, there was probably three coffee shops in Cork, which is Cork Coffee Roasters, Gusto, and Idaho. And look at how many are there now. And the, yeah, the big thing about... There's also about 20 donut shops after opening the well, last week. I don't yeah, think they're all Shinsuke and Ella. But, uh, you know, they've been around a long time. But, Anna Ella. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, what is amazing about these places, and I've got to know them very well, is there's a sense of community about them. And I know a lot of people... I'm friends with a lot of people here. I'm not from Cork originally. And I got to know an awful lot of people by spending a lot of time in certain coffee shops. And you see like-minded people there. Uh, who are more like yourself so that you wouldn't find maybe in a chain mm. or, or that kind of thing as uh, well. But so Stephen, looking at it from a clinical, like yeah. the lads have skin in yeah. the game, but looking at it from a clinical marketing point of view, these guys don't want Duke's Coffee. They don't want Idaho. They they prefer if they had another one of their brand on that street. Yeah, and it's interesting, but, it, because, but I think that they all have their own little market, actually. If you look at them, some target that kind of meeting space environment and I think some of them actually realise that they don't do good coffee at all and, and they create large environments for people to sit in and you could spend as long as you want there and I'm not sure I'm not saying that Aidan doesn't want those type of customers but if a guy sits there for two hours with another guy and they drink one cup of coffee potentially they're losing out on all that food trade that comes in as well about the guy writing the screenplay in the yeah, Starbucks and, yeah, using and that the free happens Wi-Fi. in Starbucks then you see for example McDonald's have a different strategy where they're going really on on the old fashioned promotion where it's it's cheaper um and it's kind of they they do a lot of kind of 
collect the stickers type of stuff um, then you have Costa that are targeting the moms and the, and the families and they create this lovely atmosphere where there's colouring pencils and all this type of thing in there again there's room for all of these guys and the hotels are even doing it as well they're creating their own little environments whereby it's just coffee in, in reception area yeah. and not in the bar itself so I know and it's fun, that, that's actually an emerging trade as well I want to finish up lads by asking you a question and I want an honest answer please and you can't say your own place where did you ever have the best cup of coffee in your life? Owen. <laughs> I'm not out of uh, arm's length away from you're, this. You're enough distance uh, that he can't lash out. It, 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 would, it, would certainly, it would actually certainly have been in Cork. It would have been in Cork. Yeah, but yeah, you're not yeah. willing to say which one, uh, are no, you? No, it, it, and it was an, in, an independent place in Cork. Yeah, and, I, and I, it, it's consi- there, a lot of them are consistently very good, but there's, there are one or two places so in particular. You did have it in Cork. Aidan, obviously it's going to be Jukes, but... It's not. It's not. I was in a coffee shop in London called the Department of Coffee and Foreign Affairs. That was <laughs> what the a brilliant of, name. That was the name of the coffee house. And maybe I was in a good mood. I don't know. But the coffee I drank that morning was was not forgettable. Not forgettable. Good. And Stephen? It was a place called Pete's on uh, Manhattan Beach in Los Angeles. And uh, I think it's kind of a, like a small arrival to Starbucks over there. And I just felt the vibe in there. Again, when you talk about marketing, it's all about the experience, experiential stuff. And there was just so many different characters in there. I just felt this was a moment that I won't forget. And, and that's kind of the one I remember. I have to say, I, I'm very impressed that I've gotten through this entire conversation without once admitting that I don't drink coffee myself, which is a kind of... I th- oh, I think there's a challenge. Impressive. Now, you see, now he wants to hit me. Now Aidan Duke wants to hit me. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for coming in. Owen Kennedy of Zone Digital at Coffee Cork on Twitter, isn't it? Yes, that's it. At true. Coffee Cork and Aidan Duke, owner of Duke Coffee uh, in the city centre and uh, in Citygate. And uh, Stephen Ryan, get back to work, will you? You've you, you taken way too much time in here. Thanks, lads. Cheers, Red Business with Jonathan Healy Want to simplify how you work? Combine all your lines of communication with Vodafone One Net Business That's Red Business for this week My thanks to all of our guests Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and keep an eye on redfm.ie for the latest episodes as they go up And if you want to contact us at Red FM Business or at Jonathan Healy on the old Twitter machine Thanks for all the online love in the last few weeks We'll catch you on the next one business with Jonathan Healy. Teams work better when you simplify the game. Search Vodafone One Net Business today.